Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. This is your Wednesday edition of Offsides here on November the 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Aaron Hook, your usual Wednesday host, as you just heard. Um, going to be here every Wednesday, mostly every Wednesday, usually. Uh, had to cancel last week because uh, I was a bit under the weather. Um, stuffy nose, lost my voice a little bit, um, as Jack Miller can attest to. I am joined by Jack Miller, and our Monday host of Offsides is making an appearance here. Mr. Larry Dealman uh, is in the building as well. So, guys, uh, good to be joined by the two of you. And uh, we're going to have a little bit shorter of an episode today because of some scheduling conflicts with uh, the women's soccer game taking place at 6 o'clock, women's soccer in the NJAC playoffs. So, um that's going to kind of impede with uh, our usual five to six slot. So we're going to wrap this up in about 40 minutes or so, or at least we're going to try. And uh, I guess the best place to start, guys, is the biggest news in town right now, and those are those those fightings, man, those fighting Phils. The Philadelphia Phillies win game three of the World Series, the first World Series game at Citizens Bank Park uh, in 13 years last night. And it got started with a bang, guys. Bryce Harper with a two-run home run in the bottom of the first off of Lance McCullers. Phillies end up tagging McCullers, who has been a very, very successful and uh, really, they, they said it last night on the broadcast, a veteran postseason pitcher. This guy has been here and done that multiple stints in the postseason with the Astros over the years. He goes four to third, and they tally seven runs off him, the Phillies do. They get five home runs off of him. So they came out swinging last night, guys, and this is kind of what we uh, expected, I guess, right? The Phillies offense high-powered and Last night, the offense looked fantastic, Larry. Get out to a 4 nothing lead after two, and the pitching did their job as well. Ranger Suarez was fantastic last night. So, Phillies, uh, they got to be feeling pretty dang good going into tonight, game four, up 2-1 to one right now, and especially the performance that they put on last night. Yeah, really good performance last night in game three. I was expecting, you know, just like a pretty close game, maybe pull away in the eighth or the ninth inning. But Harper hit that shot, and then uh, we saw Alec Bohm do it, and I was like, this game might be over already. I, w- I was getting really excited, and then every home run, there was just a smaller and smaller chance of a Astros comeback, and you definitely heard the fans getting into it. I heard multiple times uh, the fans chanting cheaters and, you know, expletives, the Astros. <laughs> um, obviously, we can't say it on air, but uh, definitely – I think the fans were getting in the Astros' heads, and I was very surprised that Dusty Baker did not pull Lance McCullers a lot a, a lot sooner than he did. I mean, you give up seven runs, it's pretty over at that point. Yeah, you know, you, you looked at McCullers, and I guess, again, you know, his postseason resume, Jack, kind of maybe, um, you know, didn't force Dusty Baker's hand as soon as it would have with some other guys because he's made 12 postseason starts um, in his career here, and uh, excluding last night, um, actually, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the numbers right now. So excluding last night, 11 postseason starts, and he's got a sub three ERA, right around a three ERA in the postseason. Um, 
He's got 80 strikeouts over 72 innings. So, again, he's been successful, and he's been here and done that. He's pitched in multiple World Series before this. Um, and so, you know, it's a seasoned guy on the hill. But, look, man, the, the CBP crowd last night was absolutely fantastic. And you knew it was going to be because throughout the playoffs they've been electric. I know you've gone to a few games yourself. Yes, I have. Um, throughout this run. And so, like, is there really – any way for you that the Astros can salvage one of these next two games in Citizens Bank Park and, you know, go back to Houston? Or is is this the Phillies' time right now? They've got two coming up tonight and tomorrow. Can they finish this thing off at home in front of those, those raucous fans who just, man, they make it so tough to play there? Yeah, well, I'll be one of those ruckus fans on Thursday. You're going? Uh, I won You're going the, tomorrow? I won the Phillies lottery. Wow, so. look at that. Aren't you um, cool? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to Game Five, wow. and uh, I'll be part of those Ruckus fans. And I really hope that uh, I can witness uh, them win the World Series in Game Five. Um, that would just be really really cool. I'm um, going with my dad. Um, nice. So, but the the, re- the way that the Astros have to attack the Phillies is they got to get the crowd out of the way early, and they tried to do that last night, but they kept hitting it into um, defenders. I mean, at first pitch it went to Castellanos on a diving catch, so mm. uh, and then the next pitch it went over I think to Bohm on Pena's ground ball. So they just got to attack early, um, but the Phillies they attacked early, um, and because the Astros couldn't uh, hit or get a ball into any holes right. in the first inning and Harper he knew um uh that Lance <laughs> yes, McCullers yes. uh had was tipping pitches um just because of his leg kick um I saw right. this whole thing where um I know we all uh, know about it but the his off speed his slider and change up his leg was um was higher and for his fastballs uh they, his leg was lower so Harper knew that I think in the conversation that they had that they were talking about throughout the entire game of what did what did uh, Harper say to Bohm? I think that's probably what he said oh, to Bohm. Yeah. Was he? You have to watch out for his leg kick because his leg kick tells you what pitch he's going to be throwing, mm-hmm. and that's what, what. And that's how Harper knew that he was getting a slider down the middle of the plate. It, so. It's just crazy, right? Bryce Harper, a guy who was clearly watching you know, film. Yeah, well, not just film. I guess on deck too. He was pitching. Mm-hmm. He was pitching stuff up because. He gets one pitch in that at bat against McCullers. Gets a breaking ball mm-hmm. and he hammers it for a two-run shot. So does Bone. He sees one pitch, Jack, and he already he goes back to the dugout and immediately starts calling over Alec Bone. He's like, "I got something. I I, mm-hmm. I know what this guy's throwing." Um, it's just crazy how he's able to pick that up again. He sees one pitch in that at bat and you knew Obliterates that <laughs> you knew that McCullers wasn't going to give him a fastball, but. He hummed that breaking ball, man, and Harper doesn't miss those. So Mm-mm. that, you know, a way to start the game there. I mean, the, the place was going absolutely nuts. Obviously, um, it has been all year, but it's like, of course, it's Bryce to hit the two-run shot. And then the Phillies didn't stop there. Um, you know, when they do uh, the Nets did in, in the bottom of the second, they get two more home runs, Alec Bohm and then Brandon Marsh as well. Uh, and then in the fifth, uh, Schwarber, goes back to bat with uh, who was hitting Reese Hoskins. Hoskins. Yeah, so Schwarber and Hoskins go back to bat and so that's five home runs and five innings off Lance yep. McCullers. Astros started the bullpen. Uh they were able to get three innings, luckily from one of their usual starters in Jose Ortini, so they didn't have to burn um too many arms there. But you could say the the same about the Phillies, Larry, because they don't have to use any of their big arms last night. They go to Connor Broughton for the sits. Kyle Gibson, who obviously is a starter, he gives you an any of work in the seventh. Let Nelson and Andrew Bellotti finish it out. So 
you don't donate any of your big bat-handed, or not bat-handed, but bat-end-of-the-bullpen arms in this one, so you get them another day of rest for tonight. I mean, last night was almost like a perfect night for, for the Phillies, really, and Suarez was able to give them five shutout innings as well. He was fantastic. So everything just came together for the Phillies last night, Larry. Now, the only add to, to tonight, um, it'll be Aaron Noah going up against Christian Javier. Very interesting matchup. Javier, before he pitched in that final game of the Yankees series, or actually, I think it was game three, uh, he, he had a pitch for like two and a half, three weeks, um, because the Astros, you know, got by the Mariners, didn't have the make to start in that series, and all the waiting uh, from the regular season. Now, look, Noah for game four here tonight, where's your confidence level at in this Phillies team? Because we we saw that they can get production up and down the lineup. Javier's a tough right-handed arm. Last night, you know, going up against a guy like McCullers, kind of the same deal. Um, Javier, I think, brings the, the velocity a little bit more, but Look, I mean, with Noah on the hill tonight, again, where's your confidence level at in this Phillies team? I think Noah should do a lot better than what he did in um, in Houston because he was in game one. We've been seeing Wheeler, then Nola, but that at the beginning of the series, it was Nola, then Wheeler. And you think about it, Nola and Wheeler got absolutely destroyed in Houston. And then, you know, they come home and Suarez throws five, you know, scoreless innings which was amazing. I think Nola will do a lot better than what he did the other day. Um, and, you know, like, like, oh, my gosh, I can't talk today. Like you said, uh, Javier, I think, will be a lot more difficult of a challenge for the Phillies than Lance McCullers. But I, I, I'm pretty confident in tonight. If they just copy-paste what they did last night or about 50 to 75% of the offense from last night, I think the Phillies will do – um, they'll get the win tonight. I'm not saying they're going to keep the Astros scoreless for the rest of the year, but you know, I, I don't think that the Astros are going to get too many runs tonight. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's easier said than done. But, I mean, when you look at Javier, um, he's pitched really well. Um, had an awesome season. And then he did pitch in that Mariners series, came out of the bullpen, was an inning and a third, uh, gave up a run, struck out two, and then against the Yankees, in that game three, five and a third of shutout ball, giving up just one hit, he struck out five. Um, and then, obviously, you looked at Noah and his history against the Astros, especially recently. Yeah, we talked about uh, in game one, four and a third, five runs, gives up six hits, um, or game two, sorry. So, you know, it's it's tough, right? He's faced them in this series already, and obviously that was in Houston, so he's got to bounce back now. But look at the regular season, right? They were in Houston on October 3rd, that end of the regular season series, in that one, he was fantastic. One of the best Phillies pitching performances of the year, Jack. Sits in two-thirds, two hits, nine strikeouts, shutout um, for Aaron Noah in that one. So it's kind of like, which Aaron Noah are we going to see tonight, right? Are we going to see the guy that's going to go out there, strike out eight, nine hitters, and, and give you length? Or you know, are the Astros going to be able to, to tee him up? And I think really the factor that's going to change this all, which we've been harping on, Jack, is that it's at home, right? I mean, we know that Nola's going to have the crowd behind him, and the Astros have struggled on the road in this series, or not in the series, but throughout the postseason, I think on the road, it's been a little bit of a struggle for them to, to produce runs. Yeah, it has been, and I I think the biggest point right now is that Nola's home. The first game, he was away. Um, 
in in Houston. So I think that's definitely um, him being home is definitely more of a comfort zone because now the crowd is on his side. So I think Nola is definitely going to be more comfortable. And the last time he was home um, in a playoff series was against the Braves, and he threw um, a he threw he only gave up one run against the Braves in six innings in six to, in complete innings. So I think. Uh, Nola is very comfortable, and I'm I'm always worried. Like when when I keep thinking about today's game, I'm always like, Am I gonna see? Like, am I potentially gonna see them win the World Series? And I honestly have high hopes, only because Nola's pitching tonight at home. And if he wasn't, if it was a guy like Syndergaard, I would be a le- I'd be more stressed out. But since it's Nola, I'm re- uh, that makes me more comfortable as mm-hmm. a Phillies fan that he's the guy that's pitching because I feel like. When you have your ace on the mound, one of your aces on the mound at home, you just have to have really good comfort just because the fans are on his side right. and he's very, very comfortable when, uh, especially at home um, for the Phillies. Did I give you some numbers here? In all best of seven postseason series, this is all time, teams who have gone up 3-1 to one have gone on to win the series 85% of the time, 78 of 92. So only 14 blown 3-1 to one leads have happened in best of seven series ever. In series with the 2-3-2 format, which is what the World Series goes by, teams who get a 3-1 to lead and play in Game 5 at home, which the Phillies will tomorrow, as Jack will be going to that, <laughs> have gone on to win 82% of the time, 26 of 32. So if the Phillies win tonight, guys, I'm not saying that you know it's, it's a guarantee or anything, but the numbers are going to be in their favor for them to go out and finish it tomorrow. Now, obviously, they've got to take care of business tonight, and so uh, we'll see how things shake out in, in South Philadelphia. I mean, it's just, it really is crazy what's going on. Like, I can't even comprehend it. I'm not even a Phillies fan, and it's just I like, <laughs> I feel like it's happened all, also fast, right? It's like, in that St. Louis series, they have the comeback in, in game one, and they, they sweep, and then they move on to a I feel like this is all like, just, it's just been a nonstop, just, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe Runaway it. Runaway train. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, that's a great way to put it, Larry. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's all happened so fast for me, and, um, Obviously, you guys are probably relishing in it. So, good luck tonight to the Phillies. Again, game four, 8 o'clock tonight. Citizens Bank Park, South Philadelphia. Um, same deal as last night. The crowd's going to be going crazy. Uh, again, we'll see if the Phillies can get off to a hot start against Christian Javier for Houston and Aaron Noah. Again, Udo for the Phillies tonight in game four. All right. Due to uh, being a shorter episode, we're going to take a, a break here, um, a quick break, and then we'll be back talk uh, a couple more teams from Philly and Houston are, are doing battle tomorrow night. Uh, we'll get into that, and uh, we'll talk some NBA later in the show as well. But for now, we've got to check the WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Department of Public Safety would like to remind everyone in the Rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety, especially while crossing Route 322. Pedestrians traveling along the Chamberlain Student Center construction site which I did probably about an hour or so ago, are urged to follow all caution signs and avoid directly walking onto the highway. And motorists who fail to stop for pedestrians face serious fines. So please follow state law and stop for the pedestrians. For questions about public safety, call 856-256-4922. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. More offsides when we return. Party on, dude! 
grab a fistful of quarters and head on over to the 80s Arcade. Saturday mornings from 10 till noon on Rowan Radio. Come celebrate the decade of decadence with me, Lee Kirshner. Enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular hits. Oh, gnarly! It's a blast from the neon-colored past. It's the 80s Arcade, every Saturday morning starting at 10, right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, and also online at rowanradio.com. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amine. Sometimes starting a conversation with a friend about mental health can feel awkward, but your support can make a huge difference. You know your friends best, so if you feel like something's wrong, trust your instinct and reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. Back here on RowanRadio.com Channel 2. This is Offsides, your Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Aaron Hook, here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Today, though, we're going to be uh, wrapping it up a little bit short of that 6 o'clock, uh, 6 o'clock mark uh, in about 20 minutes or so, a little over 20 minutes. Going to try and get done around 5.45 today because, again, uh, we've got Rowan Women's Soccer in the NJAC playoffs uh, at home coming up at 6 o'clock, so uh, be sure to switch over to uh, the main channel, Channel 1 on uh, 89.7 WGLS-FM for coverage there. But for now, we are back. I'm joined by Jack Miller, Larry Dealman. Uh, we were just talking some Phillies and Astros, Houston and Philadelphia going at it in the World Series. And pretty, uh, pretty ironic, guys, that tomorrow night, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Lone undefeated team in the National Football League will be headed down to Houston, Texas to take on the Houston Texans, coming at 1-5-1 and on the year Davis Mills and the squad. Um, yeah, they'll be going at it tomorrow on Thursday Night Football on Prime Video, 8-15 kickoff. Now, this, guys, is, is pretty straightforward here for the Eagles. It's a very, very, very winnable game. I, I don't even know if you can say, like, a game is winnable now for the Eagles. It's just like they're expected to win. Um, and the Texans are not a good team in contention for the number one overall pick. Um, and so, you know, it, it begs the question, guys. Like, you look at their upcoming schedule. They've, they're have they going to go to Houston tomorrow. Uh, then on Monday night of next week, they've got Carson Wentz and company, but he might not even be playing Taylor Heineke. at that point. <laughs> Taylor Heineke and company, I guess, uh, coming here to the lake to play. Um, on Monday Night Football, then they're at Indianapolis, then they're hosting the Packers. So it's like their next four weeks here, 4-0, I think, for me, pretty easily. At that point, they're 11-0, Larry. Like, is there a chance that they could flirt with, with going undefeated in the regular season? They've got the Titans after that at home, then at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys. So they've got three road games in a row there. Then... um they're hosting the Saints and then hosting the Giants again to end the season. To me, outside of the Titans, I think everyone, every one of those games I would mark up to them. Maybe at Dallas, too. That, that'll be a good game. But I think there's certainly a possibility here that they're, again, going to flirt with going undefeated, which would be pretty crazy. Yeah, this And it would be the first time anyone's ever done 17 of them, by the way. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I know the... 
the Patriots want um they want two thousand seven back because, you know, the whole Eli Manning thing. But I think the Eagles have a very good chance at running the table in the regular season and beyond. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but you hear all these things like within the media. I'm tired of hearing of the Eagles haven't beat anybody good yet. Okay, so Minnesota, their one loss, we smacked them in prime time. We beat Dallas a few weeks ago, and the thing with the thing with the Cowboys, I like how everybody says like, oh, um, oh my gosh, I'm I'm blanking. Cooper Rush. Thank you. Yeah. Cooper Rush was like the next Dak Prescott, and then all of a sudden we beat them. They're like, hey, he's just a backup anyway. I think this Eagles team is probably the nfc favorite i mean there's really nobody else that can truly compete with us maybe besides dallas or minnesota everybody else in this conference looks either garbage or they're kind of there but not the, quite i would say the 49ers are well yeah our team to look out for but no i agree with you Larry. i think those four teams are really um kind of above, above like the packers aren't doing anything no no i mean especially yesterday oh man what a terrible trade deadline for them they don't get out they don't get anybody and they get claypool swooped up by their division rival in in the bears which is horrible now i heard quickly guys about the packers we were talking about it yesterday on third and lawn when claypool got traded to the bears uh, i think it was danny who said like the, the packers said they wouldn't be outbid they offered a second round pick for claypool which is what the bears got him for but um, the Steelers were like, we think the Bears are going to be worse, so we just did, we we took the Bears offer instead. Makes sense. Now it's like, can you really blame the Packers on that? I think a little bit you can. It was just terrible yesterday from for them, and I mean the, the season that they're having, they needed weapons to help out Aaron Rodgers. But that's besides the point. Um, look, Jack. I mean, again, their schedule coming up, and to be to be completely fair, look. The Eagles, their schedule, again, outside of the Minnesota game and, and Dallas, and you know, the Cardinals are, are a, a decent team. Um, they've had some nice wins, but when you look at the, their schedule and who they played so far, it's like it's pretty favorable for them to win. You know, coming into the year, you, people were expecting 12, maybe even 13 wins, but they really have a chance, I think, here to, to like Larry said, run the table. It'll be tough. At Dallas on Christmas Eve will be a very tough game. Uh, that'll be a fun game to watch for sure. For sure. Obviously, the Giants, you know, they're sitting to. I don't think talent-wise they're a sitting to team, but the Giants have found ways to win. They're a very well-coached team, um, so you've got to play them twice at MetLife and then here. So Giants will Giants will give you a run for for your money. But I mean, the Packers don't scare me at all. Coming up no. on, on November twenty seventh, I'm not uh, even scared with the Titans with their record either. Like, yeah, this team. This team I think I yeah. think the Titans though. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you're right. I mean, that would, that that's probably gonna be an AJ Brown revenge game too. Oh, He's probably yeah. gonna go for like 300 yards. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean, like when you look at their schedule, Jack, it really is kind of interesting. Just like kind of going, you know, each game, you're like, I don't really see a loss in here. Again, I think mm-hmm. at Dallas is the one that you could probably say, um, <laughs> is one that they could potentially lose. But for you, like, what do you like? What do you give? I, I'm not looking for like an exact percentage, but like, do, are you? Do you think there's a good chance they could go undefeated? Oh, for sure. There's <clears throat> there's always a chance, especially with the, uh, the the teams that they have to go against. I think likely um, they're going to lose. I think two. I think they'll lose against the Giants and the Cowboys. That's just me. I just think that that's just what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, but they, there's definitely a chance. They they definitely have the schedule for it to go undefeated and. 
Um, I also do have to agree with Larry, like, oh, like, they haven't beat any easy, or they haven't beat any hard teams yet. And they beat the Vikings and made them only score seven and only gave Justin Jefferson one reception. Um, and they had to go against the Cardinals. They had to go against um, Jacksonville, who I who I think is one of the most underrated teams, even though the record doesn't show for it. They went to a free fall. <laughs> yeah, they went to a free fall after that So Eagles was Trevor game. Lawrence, but, by the way. I mean, but he, still, like, that Jags team's good. Um, and then we had to go against Dallas, even with Cooper Rush. I mean, Cooper Rush was still doing good, so and that we Dallas shut him down. Dallas defense is, is – Really good. Yeah, and we figured out how to manipulate Micah Parsons uh-huh. to like get him out of um, just out of the situations that he likes to be in. So um, I think honestly, the Eagles are a very good coaching a good a good coach team. I think the probably the best coach team out of all of them because they know how to manipulate plays yep. um, and know how to just know how to exploit every defense that they go against. And you saw it. Um, there was this there was a screenplay. Uh, if you remember Zach Pascal's um, touchdown. Um, they they faked the screen to Goddard, they, that classic screen to Goddard, and then Zach Pascal faked the block and then bolted out in just open field and caught it. But mm-hmm. in like 20 plays before that, they did that screen. So they so they exploited that, and now and then it led to a, a touchdown from Zach Pascal, his first of the year. So they know how to exploit defenses and just and just manipulate um, the the, uh, the minds of the defenders. So the Eagles definitely have a chance uh, mm-hmm. to. To do to accomplish that undefeated uh, accomplishment that any team's looking for. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, a defense like Dallas that has a piece like Micah Parsons, where he obviously is looking to get after the quarterback. You know, the ability of Hurts to get out of the pocket and move, and with that ground game, and you mentioned all the different ways that they can kind of steam up screens for for different guys and run plays off of that. It's it's tough, man. It's tough to hang with this Eagles team. They are a well-coached team, like you said, combined with all the talent that they have, Jack. It exactly. Looks like a match made in heaven for them to run the table here. Now, uh, they beat up the Steelers 35-13 to um, on Sunday. And so I guess the one concern with the Eagles is sometimes guys in the second half, their offense disappears a little bit. And the Texans sometimes like to score late. So I guess that would be the only way I could see this being a relatively close game. But for me, I think... This is this is Eagles all the way here because Davis Mills, who you know coming into the year, I, I was kind of maybe hoping for a little bit of progression from him. He could look like a guy that at least could be serviceable for the Texans. He's not in the future. I mean, ugh, he looked really bad against the Titans on <laughs> yeah. uh, on Sunday. The ti- the Texans just can't play the Titans like ever. the Texans like, can't play. Period. Yeah, that, that too. But like they, every time like <laughs> Derrick Henry goes against the Texans, he puts up two hundred yards. Like oh you, yeah, he can't be stopped against the Texans. So like I mean, you can always just expect like always start Derrick Henry against the Texans. Yeah, but like, I don't see the Eagles uh, losing this. I do see what you're saying. Like they do, like once uh-huh. they have the that second quarter lead that they get, then they kind of just slow down, which I kind of like, just because you don't need to like show your entire playbook out of that. So, um, but the yeah, the Texans do score late, so you might have to ke- have to keep rallying the score, just knowing how the Texans play, because they right. they learn how a team plays late, figure it out, and then keep scoring, and, as we saw in the Colts game when they tied. Right, so. and A.J. Brown knows this Texans defense very well. was in True. the division there for years, so expect another big game out of him, Larry. I mean, again, the only two times this year that the Texans have looked like competent have been week one against the Colts, and the Colts we know are not very good either, and they tied 20-20. Uh, to That game obviously goes into overtime, ends in, a, ends in a tie. And then they go on the road and beat the Jets 13-6, to which is a decent win. 
Um, they didn't play terrible against the Chargers, but they've got losses to Denver, the Bears. They got crushed by the Raiders, and now they get um, crushed by the Titans. It was 17-10, to 10, but it's like felt like it was like 30 to nothing for most of the game. Because, um, again, like Jack said, Derrick Henry was just running all over them. So it's like they can't stop him, and the Eagles we know have a great gra- uh, ground game as well. I don't see a way that Houston wins this game. I think the Eagles pretty easily roll into Houston and maybe some foreshadowing uh, with, with the World Series going on. Then they move to 8-0 and they try to send a statement. Yeah, I think it would be a statement. I don't know how this is going to work with everybody flipping back and forth. <laughs> they did say, though, that um, Eagles-Texans will also be um, on um, what, the Channel chart? 17. Oh, okay, okay. Like um, the Phillies. Oh, my gosh, I'm blanking right I'm now. I'm sure PHL in between. 17. In between. That, yeah. What is it? PHL 17. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, PHL 17 and, like, nationally on Prime Video. Uh-huh. So, I guess because people were saying, like, oh, well, it's going to be hard to flip between Prime and Fox, like, you know, Channel right, 5. Because, yeah, like, cable. it takes a minute to load. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you can just flip back and forth. I mean, you know, on Comcast, at least 5 and 17. <laughs> yeah. But um, why would you – here's my question. Why would you even flip, though? The, the Phillies are in the World Series. If you're a Philly, yeah. if you're a Philly oh, fan – Oh, no, I'm watching the Phillies like, game. But. Like, why would you want to – why would you want to flip? It's like, it's like the Eagles uh, – like, it's like the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, right? Like, let, I'm just saying, like – this is just a like, I don't I'm, I can't uh-huh. think of the word, but um, like let's say the Eagles are in the, yeah, hypothetical. Like let's <laughs> say the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, right? But the Sixers are playing like the Raptors, right? Like, <laughs> like who? Like, are you really flipping? Well, what, what, like, if, what if the Sixers were thirty and now and they were playing the Raptors? But but still, like but still, like why would you why would you flip that? Like yeah, why would you I, keep flipping through that? Because like it's the biggest games of their of the like, the Phillies history. I, like, yeah, I, if I were if I was a Philly sports fan, I don't think I'd be. I'd be looking at my phone checking. I mean, the, I won't. The store so, for the Eagles, but I'll be there. Maybe maybe like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd have it on my phone or something. But no, on my big TV, I would definitely. If I wasn't Phillies. going, I would not flip. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, you'll be there tomorrow night, so you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, um, so. All right, so uh, I almost said Steelers and Eagles. Eagles and Texans tomorrow. Um, there is a wrinkle in all this. Jordan Davis, uh, who got hurt in that. Um, yeah, high ankle sprains. In, in that Steelers game on Sunday, first-round pitch for the Eagles last year. Jack just told you he's going to be out tonight or tomorrow night, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, they lose one of their better defensive pieces there, but, again, I don't think it should make um too much of a difference. Tetons are not all that good. The Eagles are uh, pretty dang good. So I think that'll uh, take care of itself tomorrow. All right. Uh, quick little Thursday night preview there. Uh, we're going to move into the NBA now pretty quickly. A few minutes here. We've just got some things to uh, discuss. And one of those things, guys, is that uh, the Nets are in a bit of turmoil right now. You had the firing of Steve Nash yesterday and then the reports that came pretty much right after from both um, Woj and Shams that they were hiring Ime Udoka, who has been suspended by the Boston Celtics uh, for this season because of you know allegations you know of, of harassment and, and workplace misconduct and you know inappropriate um, whatever um, stuff like that and so he had been banned by the Celtics, not the league. So that means that oh, okay. If, if he That's wa- what I was wondering if about he this whole thing. if he wanted to, he could go coach for another team, which apparently he was going to. Um, reports came out that the Nets almost immediately after firing Steve Nash were going to hire Ime Udoka to be their new coach, but uh, then Sean Marks came out and was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. it's about the Brates." I don't know what everybody's talking about. We haven't made any sort of hiring, oh, any, any, sort, <laughs> any sort of contract. Now, Larry, the thing is, like, 
I don't like. I agree with you. I think he's lying because I don't know how he could say that. But Woj and Shams have a report ready to go, which means that they've been talking to Ime Udokafer probably weeks at this point to be their coach, right? Because, or at least maybe since the start of the season, because the Nets are off to a what's the record now? Like two and six. Yeah, two and it's six. It's not great. <laughs> they lose to the to the Bulls last night. Zach Levine puts up twenty on them in the fourth Kyrie quarter. Like four points alone. It's a disaster right now. So they. Probably been talking to the email doctor for at least a couple of weeks here, Larry. So I'm with you. I don't know how Sean Marks did say that when at the snap of a finger, Woj and Shams were both on it that they were hiring Udota. Yeah, I think this is such a, a weird situation. Obviously, we saw over the summer that Kevin Durant said, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. And then they kind of talked him out of it. And, you know, like we talked about on offsides on Monday, you know, Kyrie Irving's in a bit of hot water right now with his recent comments on Twitter. And I think Steve Nash, it just, you don't want, you're tired of dealing with the whole thing. Steve Nash had no experience as a head coach before this. And to get the, to get dealt this uh, hand of cards, it, it's, a, it's a crappy deck if you really want to think okay. about it. But I think Udoka, I mean, regardless of his off-the-court incident, could probably turn this Nets team around. I think last night or whenever their last game was, uh, Jacques Vaughn was their interim. Yep. Um, but I think Udoka could turn them around. He was a former assistant with the Nets and the Sixers, so he knows all of them, all their players. Um, it, it's interesting, though, that like, you know, how the and it's like nobody's thinking about this. How how are the Celtics gonna keep going with it? So is, right. is Joe Mazzulla just gonna be their coach now? Or yeah, I mean, he's technically I just interim but yeah. like he's he'll be there for the whole year right unless they i don't know do something crazy and like we'll give out. him doc rivers back if <laughs> they want <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they want doc rivers at this point um, <laughs> he won them a championship he did but that was that was millennium so I, no, <laughs> i'm not even gonna go into doc rivers about that team so. <laughs> um yeah so just a weird situation and <clears throat> coupled with the loss last night again to the bulls who the bulls have got problems of their own man they're like they're Alonzo. No Lonzo. Um, I mean, it's like the, the Levine and DeRozan thing is a little awkward, even though like they've, they're they both individually still very good and they put up numbers. But it's like that doesn't really work, um, yeah. especially defensively. It's not great. And then Vucevic is, is you know, he had a down year last year, so he's trying to bounce back. He had like he's the definition of mid right now. <laughs> yeah, he only had like six points last night, but he had like yeah. 16 rebounds. Yeah, the so. thing with, yeah, with Vucevic, he's always going to get you like some, he's always going to get you rebounds, but uh, he's just a double-double kind of machine. Right. And he's just, he's just not in his groove right now as he was with the Magic. Yeah, I mean, because he was kind of like, the, uh, he was their best player there yeah. for a while. So obviously he was going to put up numbers, but yeah, very interesting situation with the Nets. I mean, I'm sure all three of us are relishing in their uh, in their horrid start to the season. Um, you know, I'll, and like, in the fourth quarter, it was just tough to watch, man. Like, KD's throwing the ball away. Kyrie's taking these turnaround shots with two guys in his face fading away from like 30 feet. It's like... Has Ben even... Has Ben Simmons even well, had ben, a double-digit scoring Ben game? Simmons missed the day last night. He sat out... He sat out uh, Monday night and last night. So we missed both led to the doubleheader. So he's already missed a couple of games, and he hasn't looked great. I mean, you know, they're putting him on the opposing team's best player, which, I mean, you expected them to do. But, yeah, you're right, Larry. He's scored like four points a game off like a couple of dunks he gets from, from <laughs> yeah. Kyrie Lobb or something. So it's it's not looking great for the Nets, which I think, again, all three of us are, are you know, not too upset about. But they're trying to figure things out there. 
Uh, before we go to break and come back for our top five, going to continue with the NBA here just really quickly. I want to talk about a couple of surprise teams because the standings at this point, guys, I think, especially in the West, are not really what we expected them to be. Now, you have the Suns at the top of the conference at 6-1. That's, you know, we all thought that would kind of be the case. They'd be up there as one of the two, three best teams in the West. But the Trailblazers are off to a 5-1 and one start. Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons both playing fantastic. Um, Jeremy Grant looks to be a great addition there as well. The Jazz are 6-2. They yeah. traded away their two best players this offseason. And, and they have a rookie head coach. Right, and they're 6-2. The Spurs are 5-2. and two. Uh, and Jack's Thunder are four and three, uh, yeah, <laughs> and so without their top overall pick and Chet yeah. Holdren, they're off to a, a nice little start there. So out west, guys, we've got a, a few teams that are shaking things up, and obviously the Lakers off to a putrid yeah. start. But like Warriors are three and five right now. Dallas is three and three. Uh, the Timberwolves, who everyone thought would be like this this dark horse, like finals contender. I, I did it. It's not even ten games into the year. But they're 4-4. Four and four. They've been a little bit up and down. They lose to the Suns last night. So yeah. outside of the Suns kind of looking like the best team in the West right now, I think there are a couple teams in there that are shaking things up, especially the Jazz, I think, are the biggest one because yeah. everyone expected them to yeah. really be probably competing for the top overall pick. Yeah, I think, honestly, the the biggest surprise is the Spurs. I like yeah, the Spurs In the beginning too. of the season, Popovich said, like, like he thinks that they're getting the first overall pick. Like he, like he thinks that he thought <laughs> that his team that. wasn't gonna do good. Like he, he admitted it. And I just think that the Spurs were the biggest surprise team because I all think that we, uh, we thought that uh, the Spurs were gonna get uh, what's his name, Webinyama, right? Victor Webinyama. Yeah. So I mean, like it, the Spurs and the Jazz are the two biggest surprise teams, um, and and the Thunder. I mean, I thought my Thunder would be two one wins. Who knows? But yeah. but they're four and three. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of surprise teams that um, that are doing really good, and um, I'm honestly happy for the Thunder because they they beat the Clippers twice, which I'm wow. which I didn't think would happen, especially when they got uh, Paul George and uh, Kawhi's not back though right now. No, no the Clippers are doing some serious load management right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, they still beat the Clippers. I mean, and they got John Wall in there, and I think John Wall is probably the sneakiest pickup out of this entire offseason. So yeah, I mean. It's it's weird to see these teams in the West doing so good. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys think that this has anything to do with the fact that Adam Silver says like this this whole rumor about like no if you're yeah no if you're tanking gonna, yeah yeah if, no tanking or we're gonna send you down to the G League or we're we're gonna take away draft picks or something? I don't, it seems like why would they be bit. tanking? Maybe a little bit. That's a great. But how point. do you? But here's the thing with tanking, right? How do you know that like a team is tanking or if they're just genuinely bad like <laughs> if wow. you're resting if you're resting like veteran players yeah. that's a pretty obvious sign or well yeah but still like they could just genuinely be coached bad or just genuinely just like the a rockets bad team. are just bad like yeah exactly get, steven silas like the magic are just bad. Oh, he's, a t- like, he's a terrible coach no he's no awful. the they magic started last year what 13 or something they were like on a 20 game losing yeah streak. Like, no, no no the magic i'm actually high on this year i i did my power one in seven <laughs> okay okay in my power rankings for my uh article for the the wit i actually put the magic in the the middle section I think Paolo. Magic could not be. Paolo is ben the winning looks nice. He looks he's, nice. He's good, but then he's he'll probably go to the Lakers like every other Magic star, sure. like Shaq and Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard. I will say though, in the Western Conference, Luka Doncic, he's him. 
Yeah, yeah. Luca is doing great. He's, probably, he's averaging like thirty six points. He's the MVP yeah. front runner right yeah. now. Luca sits games thirty six point seven points a night. <laughs> That's top in the uh, in the league. Eight point seven assists and nine and a half rebounds. How's Qu- I haven't lo- I haven't looked too yeah. much in the um into the season, but how's Christian Wood doing? Christian is he doing good? Wood doesn't he go off the bench? Well, he I know he's with the uh, the Mavericks, Mavs. the Mavs now, but I don't know Christian if Wood right now is yes he comes off the bench. He is averaging sixteen and eight off the bench, yeah. so that's pretty damn good. He's off the bench. Wow. Yeah, so that they me. start. They start. Finney Smith, Bullock, Dinwiddie, Luca, and then Javale McGee has been their starting center. That's 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 very interesting to me. Did you guys see the clip where Luca was like trying to word Javale's name? He was like, he was like, uh, he was like Jaleel. He was like Jamel. I was like, dude, it's it's not that hard. Like, come on. But anyway, yeah, some surprise teams out in the West, kind of shaking things up in the NBA this season. It's been a pretty interesting NBA season so far. Both the Sixers, actually, no, the Knicks do not. Play tonight. The Sixers and no, the they Knicks do play, play on they Friday. Do, they do play tonight. They they do. I might be there. Is I that might, the Garden? I'm. It's at Wells Fargo. It's oh, here in Philly. I might yeah. be going to that. Um, I think uh, Kobe O'Brien got tickets in yeah. a suite or something. Really? I think I'm, like, right, I'm well, like Kobe. You're crazy. Hopefully, but. I'll see Kobe there. Yeah, Lenton Sixers on Friday. They both do play tonight, by the way. So sorry about that. Um, yeah, so they both play tonight. Nets are debuting like their new uniforms tonight, which ugh, I think they're ugly. But the, the Nets haven't <laughs> had have not seen the them. Nets haven't had a good like alternate uniform in years, man. I wish they would. I wish they would bring back the orange ones. They what are those ones like the all black and has like the circle like yeah, New those, York never those sleeps ones or were something? Okay, those ones were all right. or like those the were, fire department. ones? Those were the ones they wore two years ago when they made the playoffs. They had uh, like, the the one in the circle. Um, yeah, those aren't terrible, but whatever. All right. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. We have a break to go to really quick. When we come back, we're going to run through our top five as well. But first, we've got to check the WGLS community calendar. The Samaritan Center is a program that helps Glassboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once per month. You can give back to your community by donating food, clothes, or by volunteering your time. Email glassborofoodbank at gmail.com or visit online at glassborofoodbank.org for more information. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for community news and information. All right, we'll have our top five ready to go when we come back here on Offsides. The workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at 5. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's the ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Roman Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Have you been putting your heart under too much pressure lately? Uncontrolled high blood pressure is serious and your heart can quit whenever it wants. But when it quits, you quit. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, and control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. 
RadioRadio.com channel two. This is your Wednesday edition of Offsides. I'm your host, Aaron Hook. I'm joined alongside Mr. Jack Miller of our fabulous sports department and Mr. Larry Dealman, or Lawrence as I like to call him. Um, our Monday host of Offsides. Uh, so both of you guys are in the building with me today and for our top five as we are in the uh, the World Series here. Um, obviously, as uh, this this market knows very well, game four tonight, like we talked about, we're going to be uh, counting down our top five World Series home runs of all time. So, you know, it could be a game one home run that happened in the seventh inning that you just I don't know you just love for some reason, or uh, it could be one that you know walked the World Series off, something like that. So it's just your top five World Series homers ever. I'm going to go to Larry first. All right. All right. Let's see what I have here. I I have no order, by the way. Okay. So I'm going to put the Phillies Blitzkrieg from last night as um, wow. as one of them. I feel like you can't choose like one from yesterday, so I'm just going to go as a whole because it tied an MLB record for crying out it loud. It did, yeah. That's so kinda, that's kind of crazy. That you they, you can't that. you can't just like leave that off. And once they make future like lists, um, some of the writers and um, sports websites they'll probably um, throw that in there as well. Or one of Bryce Harper's home runs. All right, and then I have Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, 1977, oh, Game 6. It was a three-run home run, Yankees-Dodgers. Uh, Reggie Jackson, an all-time Yankee. And then I'll go, I uh, I don't know, Joe Carter, 1993. I knew that would be there. Blue Jays and Phillies. A Phillies fan. Of course, my Phillies um, were at the mercy of Joe Carter, <laughs> and that was for the win, by the way. Yep. So and the World Series. <laughs> yeah, that was for the win for the World Series. Uh, curse you, Joe Carter. <laughs> All right, um, 1960, Bill Mazeroski, yep. Pirates Yankees was a walk off in Game Seven. Yep. So so we're we're in the same boat here. We've both been walked <laughs> off to lose the World Series. And probably the most like this is an absolute legend and like a boss move right here. Babe Ruth, 1932, Yankees Cubs. He pointed at oh, the that's wall. A great one. He pointed at the wall the shot, and then a called a shot one. and then hit a home run right there. Yep. You can't get any more boss-worthy than that, so wow. those are my five. I, I forgot that was in the World Series. That's a so did I. Was, it, was I. it like a, a, a myth, or did he actually do it? I th- I believe he did it. I, I Now, I don't know if he was pointing out there saying, like, I'm about to hit it right there. He was probably just like he – was, uh, he was probably doing some cool uh, – I don't know. And then he did it. But it was cool either way. Anyway, yeah. Jack, what's your, what's your top five? So uh, I have an honorable mention. I have six. Um, and I'll, my honorable mention is uh, Joe Carter's home run against the Phillies wow, just because – just that. just me being salty. So, yeah, <laughs> um, But um, my number five, I have I have Soler uh, against the Astros um, last year. I mean, that was a nuke. I mean, it literally left the stadium and went over the train tracks. So um, that's my five. Um, and then – uh, number four, I got the Utley and Howard going back to back in 08 in Game Three, so uh, or Game Four, so um, when they just hit like ten runs against the Rays, so uh, I got those two, and then uh, I have Derek Jeter in 2001 against yes. the D-backs, yes. making him Mr. November. Mr. November. And then uh, number two, I have Babe calling his shot um, in 1932 against the Cubs, so um, that's honestly probably the most iconic. But my favorite. That uh, that I witnessed live that I that I actually remember is uh, David Freeze uh, in Game yes. Six in extra innings against the Texas Rangers 
um, the call from Joe Buck. We will see you tomorrow night. So uh, that was my, that's my number one, um, and I I think that's just so cool that you send it to Game Seven and then you win Game Seven, yep. and then uh, and he gets a triple before that to send it into extras. So um, yeah, David Freeze number one, but yeah, that's my list for uh, most iconic World Series home runs. Crazy. All right, uh, gonna run through my list super super quick here. At five, I've got Kirk Gibson, nineteen eighty eight game one against the A's. He was like limping up to the plate, didn't play in the game. He pinched hits in the ninth and hits a walk-off off of uh, Dennis Eckersley. So, and you had the famous Vince Scully call to go along mm-hmm. with it as well. At four, I've got Joe Carter. That's pretty, you know, self-explanatory. Wins it for Toronto uh, against the Phillies up there uh, back in 93. Bill Mazeroski at three. It's the only home run ever to win game seven of the World Series, by the way. Wow. So, that's probably the definition of clutch. That's about as clutch as you can get right there. Um, 60 obviously. David Freeze in 2011. Will be my number two. I love that Joe Buck call. It's like probably yeah. the most iconic call of my lifetime, at least as a baseball. It's my favorite fan. bland Joe Buck call. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. And you know he hits it all the way out of the hill, and you see everyone mm-hmm. running after the ball. It was really cool. Exactly. And um, by the way, my honorable mention is going to be the Ruth uh, called shot. Just because I completely forgot that was in the World Series. Thank so did I until I was looking at it. But at number one, Yankee fan bias here. Gotta go, Mr. November, man. It was, yeah, uh, that was so cool. It's the first time ever that the World Series had been played in November, and Jeter walked it off against the Diamondbacks. The series, by the way, the Angels would go on to lose, but that's <laughs> still that's, cool that's another issue. All right, <laughs> so that's our top five, top five World Series home runs of all time. Thank you so much, Jack Miller and Larry Dealman, both of you guys, for joining me here on this midweek edition of Offsides. Offsides Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m., and I'll always be your Wednesday host here, at least for the rest of this semester. Aaron Hook, you can catch me on Wednesdays from 5 to 6. Wrapping it up a little bit early here, but we'll be back next week. I'll be back next week. Danny will be on Friday. Larry will be here next Monday. All right, hope you all have a great rest of your day. This has been Offsides. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports. Featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.